It's hard to preach on the light of the world when the candles aren't lit. So thank you, Fred, for assisting us. Uh, maybe the world's oldest acolyte today. So thank you. Pre- appreciate you coming down and, and help, helping us out. It, well, Patty tried. Did y'all see that? But you know why she didn't do it? Because she fr- failed to bow down. So Fred, yeah, Fred you, got, you got to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and, 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 and he does all things for us. So th- thank you uh, for doing that uh, today. Before I read the scripture text, I have to ask a question. You know, in, in our lives sometimes we were told things early on that we spend a lifetime trying to overcome. You know, sometimes we were told things early on or shown things early on in our lives that it takes us the rest of our lives to overcome. Or later on in life, we're told we don't measure up, we're inadequate, we don't matter, or we may feel that life has passed us by, maybe getting too old to count for anything anymore. Well, the scripture text I am about to read to you today, which I understand you all heard a few weeks ago, but I might be taking a different spin on it than you heard earlier. This, these verses are for you. Here now the word of the Lord is found in the good news according to Matthew the fifth chapter, starting with verse 14. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand and it gives light to all the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus has gathered his disciples on the mountain to proclaim these words that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And we have to ask ourselves in this day and time, to whom are these words addressed? Well, I just said they are the disciples. We read about that, that Jesus comes to the top of this mountain and he sits down. In that day of time to teach, you sat. Now, if this day and time, if I was teaching as Jesus did, I'd pull me up a chair and I'd sit down in front of you all. And that might be more comfortable for me, but it might put you to sleep. So I, I'm standing up. But that's what Jesus did. He sat down and gathered those 12 around him to teach him. But it also says that a whole multitude was around him overhearing what he had to say. And so the message was not only for those first 12, but for all who overheard. It's kind of like a TED Talk. Any of you all familiar with with TED Talks? I said, very good, thank you. Yeah, you've listened to them and thank you up there for letting me know that you like TED Talks. You know... TED Talks are for those people that are in the audience, right? They gather in a university or an auditorium and the speaker talks to them, but it's also for all who would overhear on a podcast or watching on YouTube, right? So the message of a TED Talk isn't just for those people that are gathered there at that time, it's for all who would overhear it. And so the message on the Sermon on the Mount is not just for those 12 that are there, for those multitude that are gathered on the hillside, it's for all who would overhear and listen later on, meaning people like us who 
claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, we are overhearing these words that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. The church from its inception has claimed the Sermon on the Mount as its very own, that these words, these challenges, and these promises are for all who would hear it and receive it unto themselves. And so today, Jesus starts out these words which are probably my favorite words in all the Bible. And for I can't explain why I love lots of scripture verses. I'm gonna preach on several other passages that mean a lot to me over the next few weeks. But for some reason, this, this touches my heart. For Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're saying to yourselves, first of all, didn't Jesus say he was the light of the world? Is this preacher up here crazy? Well, you're correct on both counts. I am crazy. And yes, Jesus did say that he is the light of the world. In John's gospel, in the beautiful prologue, we hear the words that the light came into the world and the darkness did not put it out. The light shined before all people and yet the people did not recognize it. And later on in John's gospel, the ninth chapter, he says, Jesus says, while I am the world, in the world, I am the light of the world. So yes, Jesus does make this proclamation about himself. He does say, I am the light of the world. But look what he says here. In the most preached on part of the Bible, this, this, this Sermon on the Mount, these pivotal words for the church, he is saying, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. What Jesus has done, he has come into this world to bring his light so all that claim to be his followers capture that light unto themselves and then they are to reflect that light out into the world. You know, the moon shines brightly at night and it's a full moon out right now. Y'all, y'all have been out there maybe seeing how beautiful the moon is shining over the mountains. Isn't it gorgeous? Well, that's not the moon shining. It is the moon reflecting the light of the sun so that we can see that. That is what we are. We reflect the light of this sun, Jesus, out into all the world. That makes us the light of the world. But many think of themselves as too small, too insignificant, too ordinary to think that, am I really light? Can I bear anything good out into the world? Can, can I really be noticed? If any of y'all don't think something small can be noticed or insignificant, if any of y'all have been camping and had one mosquito in the tent with you at night, that... Yeah. Yeah, that little rascal keeps you up all night long, right? Because that thing's buzzing around in your ear. Yeah, small things can be noticed. Have any of y'all ever been in a pitch black, dark place and just the smallest light dispels all that darkness? Just a match or a pin light? Wherever that light is, there's no darkness, right? Yes, even the smallest light, even the smallest act of love and kindness can make an incredible difference in this world, in the life of someone else who's going through a dark time. In the darkest time of our lives, 
when we experienced untold tragedy and darkness nearly overwhelmed me. Nearly overwhelmed me and I was surrounded by the black of grief and fear and doubt. And those things still come, y'all, just have to let you know. People shined light into our lives. And I could tell story after story, but one that really stands out is this. Sharon Shepard at the time and I were in math classes throughout Huntington College. We'd write each other funny notes and laugh about the professor and do things like students kind of do behind the scenes. And any teachers ever experienced that? Well, Sharon got married to a fellow named Dan Hudson. So Sharon Hudson went her way, we went ours. We hadn't seen each other in 30 years, but she heard what happened to us. So week after week after week for an entire year, Sharon wrote us notes every Monday. And they seemed to come in offering us words of encouragement, hope, giving us light. Just at the time, the darkness seemed to overshadow us the most. And some words I'll never forget her sharing was this. She said, you know, when I was giving birth to our babies, um, Dan was right there beside me that whole time. Now, Dan couldn't birth that baby, but he was there with me holding my hand as I went through the struggle. And she said, that's what I'm here to do. I can't, I can't go through that grief like you are, are, but I can be there with you. Just a small note, just an offer of care, just someone shining a small light, doing something as ordinary as picking up a pen, getting a piece of paper and writing a note made all the difference in the world. You might think you're too small. You might think you're too ordinary or insignificant, but it's amazing what small, ordinary folks can do to bring light and hope in this world. Marianne Williamson, in her book, Return to Love, pin some words that have been borrowed and set into different settings throughout the movies and in literature. But her words go something like this. She said, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond belief. It is our light, not our darkness that makes us fear the most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant and gorgeous, talented, fabulous? And she asked, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Playing small does not serve the world. You are meant to shine as all children are. You are made to manifest the glory of God that's in all of us, each and every one of us. And as we let our light shine, we free others to let their light shine as well. As we are liberated from our fears, we unconsciously liberate people from their fears as well. You are the light of the world. You as an ordinary human being who has said yes to Jesus Christ, you are the ones who can bring light and love and hope to the darkness that is plaguing our nation and overwhelming so many with despair. You are the light of the world. Now, some of y'all may be having a hard time accepting that. 
So here, new in my tenure, you've heard me ask you to say things before out loud. So I'm going to ask you to do that together. I want you to say that, one, to prove you're awake, but number two, to claim it for yourself, saying, I am the light of the world. Can you say that? I am the light of the world. And I want you to claim this even more. I want you to say your name and say, Ed Glaze is the light of the world. Now, you say that for your name. Don't everyone say Ed Glaze. Okay, unless there's another, another Ed Glaze out there. Okay, I don't think so. So say your name and say, is the light of the world. Ed Glaze is the light of the world. Wow. You are the light of the world. Jesus has said so. And as you claim that for yourself, incredible things can happen. As you do what Jesus just said for us to do. He said, go out there and let your light shine before others. He put it this way, or sort of this way. He said, y'all, he was speaking to Southerners. He said, (laughs) y'all, you wouldn't buy a lamp, would you? And plug it in and forget to put a light bulb in there. You wouldn't do that, would you? That's silly. He said, he said also, you wouldn't go buy a flashlight and, and t- bring it home and then don't put any batteries in it, right? No. What's a lamp without a light bulb? It is a dust collector. A flashlight without batteries is a paperweight. You just don't do those things. You put the light bulb in there. You turn it on so it illumines the house. When you're outside at night, you put those batteries in there and turn the light on so you can get around and not trip over something, right? That's what Jesus is saying. His light isn't poured into us so that we can go hide away and say, oh, I'm too insignificant or, or just keep it to ourselves. No, he says, for us to go out and shine and make a difference in the world. And as we do so, we experience so many blessings. So many blessings because this is what we are meant to do. You have probably been on a mission trip or you've probably done some mission activity or gone out and helped somebody. And isn't it wonderful how you feel after you do that? You know, thank you, Fred. I know you're, we're gonna talk about you woodcutters in a minute. Yeah, um, you know, you feel that way. Why? Because that's what you're made to do. And if you are doing what God created you to do, and as you, as you do the things of shining light on the world as Jesus has poured his light into you, no wonder you feel so good about it. I'll share a time when we started a ministry, a bunch of us in the community in, in Bruton, uh, Alabama. By the way, if you get a call from Bruton, more than likely it's me, not a hay salesman, okay? Uh, there's there, not, not too many Bruton, Alabama numbers are going to come call you, y'all. But in Bruton, we started a, a, a ministry that I think is similar to something you all have up this way. It's called Communities Transformation, and where people who are uh, having struggles partner up with leaders and other people in the community to help these folks who are struggling make progress in some form or fashion in their lives, whether they want to get an education or are helping battle an addiction or, or trying to uh, find a way that they can better themselves in some form or fashion. It's a wonderful ministry. It transforms both the leaders who are the people wanting to move ahead in life and those who help them. It's a powerful ministry of interaction with each other. And at the graduation of the first class, we were there. And after the graduation, a woman named Martha came up to me. Martha 
had been a professional. She had a medical training. She was doing great in life. And then the demon of drug addiction took hold of her, as we've talked about here before. And she lost everything, her job, her family, found herself out in the streets. And community transformation helped her back on the right track. And at the end of the graduation, she came up to me with tears in her eyes. And after she told the story, I was crying too. She said, Ed, this ministry has helped me so much. It's got me back on the right path. And she said this, I want to thank you for offering encouragement to me and saying that you're praying for me. Remember what we talked about the first week? We offer encouragement to one another. Something easy to do. Saying I'm there for you, I'm praying for you. What can I do to help you? And my heart was warmed as I heard how I made a difference in one person's life. Isaiah 58.10 says this, if we pour ourselves into the lives of the hungry, if we seek to satisfy those who are oppressed, then our light will shine in the darkness and then our night will be as noonday and the Lord himself will protect you and meet every one of your needs. See the blessings we receive? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, which is shining light. This is part of that same sermon. And everything else that you need will be given unto you. I hope you can look back at your life and see how as you interacted with people, as you shined your light into people's lives, you made a difference. Before electricity came along, in big cities, there were men that went throughout the town called lamp lighters. And they would go to lamp posts, and uh, before there was even gas, they would light the torch. And later on, when there's uh, gas outlets out there, they would light the gas lamp so that the streets that were darkened and filled with fear could be illumined by the light of that light. And what was wonderful was that if you step back and looked at the city, you could see the pathway of the lamplighter by the lights that were being lit by him as he traversed through the darkness to provide beacons of light. Well, I hope when you stand back and look at your life, you can see how you lit beacons of light in dark places, going on mission trips, writing to people who are in despair, making that phone call to someone who is broken and hurting, giving a ride to someone who needed uh, to go to the hospital or, or to the doctor's office and couldn't find a way, providing food for those who are hungry. As we're approaching these uh, starting of new worship services, maybe inviting someone back or someone for the first time to come experience in light and love in this place. You never know, someone said, you know, I didn't know about Jesus until you invited me to church. I hope you can look back on your life and see how you were a beacon of light in the world. And people because of you had the light of Christ shined upon them through your life. Why? Because you are the light of the world. 
And Jesus then makes this astounding statement. He said, a city on a hill can't be hid. You know, a city is a combination of buildings. And at nighttime, all these buildings have their lights shining. So at the nighttime, we see that people will come into that, uh, that city by the beacons of light. And, and, and that's what is happening in the church. When we gather together and let all of our individual light shine, people all over the world can see it and they will come to Christ. And I am so proud that this congregation is already doing so many things to shine the light of Jesus into the world to people who are struggling, people who are in dark places. This past week, 32 kids that were having a hard time reading came to this place because of your generosity and working with people in the community to learn how to read better. And we had members of this congregation who came and read to the students, who mentored to students, who taught yoga to the students. We had folks that did all sorts of things to shine light in the lives of these kids who have been told because they couldn't read well that they did not measure up. There's a big wood pile out back. And you know, sometimes daddies took young boys behind wood piles, but we won't get into that right now. I understand that 80 families have their wood needs met during the cold winters. I understand it gets kind of cold here in Boone that you all have men that come and chop wood and, and they take it and deliver it. And then there's some ladies, maybe some men have made quilts for these families and taken it to them, bearing the light of Christ's love to these folks that might be freezing cold here in this cold place. That's shining light. And then on Thursday nights, Folks come here, hundreds come to get delicious food. Some of them are coming because they just want the fellowship, but a lot come because if it wasn't for folks in this church getting out a little early, peeling carrots and frying up stuff, that they wouldn't have a meal that night. And to some that can't make it, y'all are delivering it. That's bearing light in dark places. And then I hear for the longest time this church has gone to Guatemala and built a church and working with that church down there to interact with the children who uh, may not have a, any hope of getting an education. And, and many of you all are providing scholarships to bear light to a place that is so desolate. Y'all have heard the stories, people are so desperate there that they're doing anything to get out of that country. And yet you are providing a way for people to stay in a place that they love because you're bearing light. Wow. This church is doing so much to bear the light of Jesus Christ to the world. But as your pastor, I'm going to continue to encourage you, continue to push you, to push all of us to go out and let our individual light shine in the homes, in the community, and as a church, figure out ways that we can set this world on fire for the good news of Jesus Christ. Because part of being a disciple, as we discussed last week, part of being disciples, we make disciples here, is that we can't keep this love for ourselves. We've got to share it. We've got to go out into all the world to make a difference. 
Because you see, as we do this, our Father is glorified. And that's what we're here for. We're to give glory to our Father in heaven, not just through our beautiful worship that this band helps us do and and through our singing and through the liturgies, but glorifying God through these good works because Jesus said they'll see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And in this day and time when people doubt the good news of Jesus Christ, when there are people like Richard Dawkins out there proclaiming all this atheistic stuff that so many more people are grabbing hold onto. By the way, if you want to have a, a, be a person of faith, be an atheist, because that's crazy trying to believe that this just appeared from nothing, right? We can talk about that another time. You can't argue against people cutting firewood and taking it to folks out in the community. You can't argue against people sweating over a hot stove and and providing meals for those who are broken and hurting or people taking time out of their busy schedules to come and read to kids or spending money and raising money to take a long flight to a desolate place in, in Guatemala where there's so much abject poverty. There's no argument against that. I've been on mission trips before when someone said, why are you all here? And I heard some wise person on the trip, didn't come from this little peanut head for sure, some wise person on the trip said, because we love Jesus and we love you. You can't argue against that. It's a sure sign of our faith. So we do this to give glory to our Father in heaven and people take notice and they come unto Jesus. At the end of the Civil War, which for those who had Confederate ancestors was known as the war between the states, the Union armies all gathered in Washington, D.C. for a final grand parade for the dignitaries and their supreme commander there. All the troops that could come marched through the streets. The crowds were huge as they cheered the end of that terrible four-year nightmare called that war, where more Americans died than all other wars combined. It was a great celebration. After the parades were over, the soldiers went back out to the encampments outside the city, and not wanting to have the camaraderie and this good feeling end. The soldiers, as night fell, got their candles and put them into the end of the rifles and they lit those candles and they began to parade throughout the countryside, casting a grand amount of light throughout the area. Someone in the distant city of Washington took notice of this distant light and they said this, It's as if the sun had come out again. Y'all, the sun did come out again. He rose on the third day. And his light shines on all who would claim that resurrection faith for themselves. People like you, people like me. You are the light of the world. Go out and shine.